0: Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and take out something you can take notes with this morning. Uh, If we haven't met, uh, my name's Andrew Zanako, I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. I, for one, am really glad you're here this morning. Anybody else glad your neighbor came to church today? You're not alone here on Easter Sunday. It is good to be together. It is good to be together. We are a uh, note-taking church for those of you who are around here, so get something out at least. If you get bored, you can draw on something, and then open your Bible to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be this morning. It's a beautiful morning outside, isn't it? Thankful for that. It seems the gray mornings are behind us. But don't get too confident. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. This morning, we are going to be finishing up a series that we have been in the last several weeks together. So if you're new with us, you're going to jump in on the back end here, and I would encourage you to go listen to the rest of the messages that we've been meditating on as we've been spending time together on Sundays the last few weeks. And the series is called Via Dolorosa. We have gone full old school Catholic. We do all of our services in Latin now. So prepare your hearts for that. You no, know, the, the the Latin phrase, via dolorosa, actually, I think somebody told me it's pronounced wea, so we didn't, I don't even say it right, but it just makes you sound smart, kind of, unless you know how it's supposed to be pronounced, and then I don't sound smart. But what it means is the way of suffering. It means the way of grief, and we have been talking about this, and, and this way of suffering, this way of grief, and it's actually a road in Jerusalem that commemorates Jesus' journey to the cross. It, it may not be the exact road that... He journeyed to the cross, but it commemorates that. And all through history, the church has marked the way of suffering with different stations called stations of the cross. As sort of a, an interactive devotional for, for Christians, for us to stop by the stations that Jesus journeyed towards the cross, that we might remember him and remember the sufferings of Christ. Remembering and meditating on suffering doesn't really sound very fun. And this might be the only time you come to church all year and you're like, this is why I don't come. (laughs) We just talk about sufferings. But we have been experiencing together that, no, it's not exactly fun, but it is intensely powerful and intensely significant to remember and meditate on the sufferings of Jesus Christ. We have found that by, by slowing down and by taking our time over these several weeks to not just breeze over the uncomfortable and the ugly parts of Jesus' suffering, we have seen that Jesus doesn't breeze over the uncomfortable and ugly parts of our sufferings either. He was fully God and yet made himself fully man that he might suffer in the same ways that we suffer. The Bible tells us that it is so that he might both sympathize with us in our weaknesses and save us by our grace. So in conclusion of our series on this beautiful Easter morning, we get to celebrate the last station of the cross. And aren't you thankful there was one more? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. We get to remember the good news. That the way of suffering is not a dead-end road. When we follow Jesus on the way of suffering, we not only get to fellowship with Him and with each other on the way, He is actually taking us somewhere. Via Dolorosa isn't just the way of suffering, it is the way to life. Luke 24. Would you stand with me for the reading of the Word of God? Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Those are angels. (laughs) And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you. Somebody say remember. Remember Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Men didn't listen to the women. Imagine that. (laughs) But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. he saw not a dead body, but the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are not in that tomb. Lord, we thank you for the empty cloths by themselves. We thank you this morning that we get to come together and look to you and we get to remember your words. Lord, we thank you for the gathering in your presence and we thank you that you are here with us. And we invite you, God, to continue to move in us and through us and among us in the rest of our time together. As we come to your word, Lord, we thank you that it is alive, living, and active by the Holy Spirit. And we invite you, Lord, by your word to come and shape us and train us, encourage us, rebuke us, shape us, perfect us, that we might be about your business. Lord, we pray that all of us would be soft and hungry and open to the word of God this morning. I pray for everyone who is here this morning hungry, that you would increase their hunger even more. Lord, we pray for anybody here this morning whose heart or mind might be hard or closed off by your grace. Would you open it up in Jesus' name? Lord, we thank you for those here this morning who know you and who have confessed this resurrection. We thank you, Lord, for everybody here this morning who has not confessed this resurrection. Lord, that today would be the day that they would hear your name and they would see that you are alive and real and calling them to yourself. Come and speak to us and move among us in the power of the Holy Spirit. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. If... There is an all-good, all-powerful God. Why? Why does He allow suffering? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why am I suffering like this? Suffering stirs big questions in us. You have no doubt heard these questions asked, and no doubt asked them yourself. When we face suffering... Our biggest question is not usually, how do I stop this, but rather, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Our deepest desire in our suffering, as contrary to our nature, it might seem, isn't actually just to find a solution for our suffering. We want to find a reason for it. We want a reason for our suffering. Solutions are important. And of course, we want our sufferings to stop. But even when our sufferings do stop, we find it very difficult to move on from our sufferings until we know why it happened. Why? We don't just want our suffering to stop. We desperately want our suffering to mean something. Now, I know we're already off to a weird start on Easter Sunday. This is not supposed to be a Sunday for a heavy message about suffering, is it? This is supposed to be a happy Sunday, a happy message. But I'm asking you to stick with me, follow with me here, because I promise you this is a very happy message. This is a very happy message, but it's the heavy kind of happy. It's the heavy kind of happy, because I've only got a few minutes with you this morning. Like I've already said, you know, you might be a part of this church and come every Sunday this might actually be the only day you plan on coming to church this year. Either way, in these few minutes that I have with you, I want to talk to you like I know you're living a real life in a real world. So I want to give you some good news that has some weight to it so you can anchor yourself to it so it doesn't just get blown away or washed away at the first sign of wind or waves when you walk out of here this Easter Sunday. A biblically formed worldview understands that suffering is part of life. Life is beautiful. Life is a gift. Life is sacred. And life is hard. Relationships are hard. Health is hard. Circumstances are hard. Some see this as an argument against the existence of God. If God exists, why? Why? Why is there suffering? If God is all good and all powerful, why? Why is there suffering? First of all, it must be said that just because you may not like or understand something about God, that doesn't mean he ceases to exist. I don't like mushrooms, but they exist. (laughs) Second of all, suffering should make you question yourself and your humanity. It shouldn't make you doubt God. We need compassion and empathy and truth and service and healing in suffering, but we don't need entitlement. God doesn't owe us an easy and pleasurable existence. Pleasure is a gift, not a right. And it's actually when we understand that pleasure is a gift and not a right, that pleasure becomes even more pleasurable. So let's deal with the question at hand. Why? Why is there suffering? I want to give you two reasons this morning that the Bible gives us for why suffering. Number one, suffering exists as a consequence and a judgment of sin. There is suffering that happens as a result of sin, both specifically and sort of generally. Specifically... As you read your Bible, you see plenty of examples of consequences for a specific sin. And I dare say you may see this in your own life sometimes. Because you did this, you get that consequence. Any parents in the room with the child? We see this in our lives. We know this. There is plenty of suffering that we experience in our lives as a direct result of poor decisions that we make. And there is suffering that we experience in our lives as a direct result of the poor decisions of others. This suffering should make us question ourselves and our bad decisions or question others and their bad decisions. It shouldn't make us question God and his eternal goodness. Generally speaking, we can experience suffering as a consequence or a judgment of just living in a fallen world. Some things happen as a result or a judgment of general sin, not necessarily specific sin. We see the flood in the Old Testament. Or we see things in our own lives like sickness, disease, natural disasters. These things are just a part of the fallen world that we live in. We could bring up demonic activity here and sort of just lump it in with this whole category. Some attack or oppression that we may experience is a direct result of specific sin, specific ways we partner with, participate with, or invite maybe demonic activity into our lives, but some of it isn't necessarily a direct result of specific things. That's generally probably why we use the word attack, because it just kind of came out of nowhere, right? But in all of this, in this first reason, in all of this, we understand that God is just, And therefore, he cannot and will not leave sin unaddressed in this life or in the next. This is something that makes him good. This is something that ought to make us love him and run to him. And if there is suffering in our lives from judgment or the consequence of sin, it should be to us a revelation of his goodness and his holiness that causes us to run to him. It should not be a place of pride and bitterness in our hearts that make us callous towards him. Number two, the Bible tells us that suffering exists as a testing and a refining of righteousness. In the book of Job, we see that Job experienced suffering as a test. A test to see if he would remain righteous and devoted to God. And as we have seen over our last several weeks together, Jesus' life, and especially the journey of his death, was testing. It was a testing of suffering. Hebrews 5 tells us this. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Doesn't sound very pleasurable. To him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. I've said this the last two weeks, but I cannot say it enough. Jesus is not like all other gods or any other mythology where gods are distant and sadistic and they just cause suffering for their subjects. He is the living God. He is the living God and He enters into our suffering. Not just by being present in our suffering, but by actually experiencing our suffering. He suffered in every way. He suffered mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally. If you, my friend, have ever experienced fear, pain, hatred... Revilement, embarrassment, abuse, discrimination, malpractice, injustice, mistreatment, unfairness, violation, wrongdoing, oppression, offense, abandonment, inequity, discouragement, disappointment, rejection. If you have ever suffered, Jesus, the king of the universe, can genuinely and deeply empathize with you in that pain. He knows what it feels like. He doesn't just know you have pain, my friend. He knows your pain. He doesn't just accept the fact that you have wounds. He heals you with his very own wounds. He isn't just with you despite your suffering. He is with you in your suffering. Everyone suffers. Everyone suffers. And we need to understand as Christians that we have chosen a life of suffering. We need to understand that living in righteousness is a choice of suffering. There will be persecution that we don't choose and faith itself is putting yourself through a measure of suffering. To hope is to suffer longing and to suffer waiting. To live holy is to suffer temptation but endure. Obedience is a measure of Of suffering for righteousness as you deny yourself, embrace discipline, and take up the cross of Jesus Christ and follow his commands. Believing for healing when you don't see it is suffering. Hungering for righteousness when your flesh is weak, it is suffering. The New Testament, as you read the New Testament, you will see that it is largely written to Christians who are suffering. And it is exhorting them to pass the test of temporary suffering. Suffering tests you. It tests your faith, your diligence, your belief, your love, your desires, your hope, your heart, your mind, your worship. Suffering refines you. Suffering sanctifies you. Suffering shapes you. And suffering develops you. And we've been meditating the last few weeks On all of these, not only does God exist despite the reality of suffering, Jesus' way of suffering shows us that God is present with us in our own sufferings. We are tempted to ask, if God exists and is good, why suffering? But the better question to ask may just be, what is it that makes us think there is something wrong with the fact that suffering exists at all? If you think about it, there is no natural reason to assume that there should not be suffering. Suffering is everywhere. Death is natural. Pain is natural. A world with suffering is all any of us have ever known. What makes us think there should be something different? The only explanation... For why every single one of us inherently longs for a perfect peace that none of us have ever yet known is that it must exist and we must be made for it. C.S. Lewis said it this way, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. We have hope for a better place hardwired into us and it is at the empty grave where Jesus and only Jesus shows us the door when Peter ran to that grave he thought he needed Jesus' dead body but what he got was empty grave clothes Jesus wasn't there Peter needed Jesus. So he ran to where Jesus always was. Jesus was supposed to be there. Where was Jesus going to go? Jesus was dead, but at least he was there. He ran to where he thought would be the presence of Jesus. He thought he needed the presence of Jesus. So he runs to the grave and he finds nothing. But as we read the other day, Jesus says weird phrases like, I'm going away and I will come to you. Only Jesus can pull that off. And it is by that truth that Jesus was present in those empty clothes. Somehow only Jesus can be present when he's not there. Somehow only Jesus can shout in the silence. Peter ran to the empty grave because there was something inside of him that needed something more. He needed all of this to have meant something. He needed the story the women just said to mean something. He needed everything he had just experienced to mean something. He needed this to not be the end of the road. He needed this. And what he thought was that he needed to see the body of Jesus. But it is only in the absence where Jesus could be present the way Peter needed him to be present. It was only in the silence of the empty clothes that Jesus could shout to him, Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. There is a time where suffering ends. Yes, it is true. There is a place where every tear is wiped away. Yes, it is true that in this world you will have trouble. But look at my empty clothes and take heart. I have overcome the world. And the angels stand they there, reminding him, remember what he told you. Remember what he told you. Peter thought he needed a dead body, but at the grave, God did something better. And he gave him empty grave clothes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this. Since we have the same spirit of faith. This passage speaks to us of suffering. It says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing That he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that his grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. So we do not lose heart. Oftentimes, we think we need our Savior to extract us out of our sufferings. But at the grave of Jesus Christ, our Savior does something better. He inserts meaning into our sufferings. The resurrection means that not only is your affliction momentary, Not only is your affliction light in comparison to eternity and all the glory there. The resurrection means that all of your affliction is totally meaningful. It means that your suffering is doing something. And of course you can't see it. And of course you can't feel it. But your suffering is leading you somewhere. Your suffering is preparing something for you. See, Via Dolorosa gives you the hope that Jesus is with you on the road of suffering in life. And it is the resurrection that gives you hope. That though that road may be many, many things, it is never meaningless. On Easter Sunday, we get to come to the empty grave. And we must also remember what he told us. Remember what he told us. That the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day rise. The grave was never where the way of grief was going to end. None of the suffering was ever meaningless. None of the steps were ever aimless. Not only can the grave not stop the purposes of God, it serves the purposes of God. Your suffering, my friends, means something. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that it was for the joy that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross. How did he do it? We talked about the garden where he prayed, Father, take this cup from me. Sweating blood, his soul sorrowful unto death. Sometimes I can't even get motivated to finish a workout halfway through. What got him up off the ground? What got him up off the ground in that moment? What kept him quiet in the mocking? What kept him quiet in the striking? What kept him... From calling the legions of angels to pull him down from the cross. What kept him in the empty grave those three days? How did he do it? How did Jesus do it? He did it because he knew that his light and momentary suffering meant something. It was leading somewhere. It was shaping for him an eternal weight of glory. He looked beyond the transient things that could be seen, and he set his eyes towards the unseen, eternal things. This is the good news of the empty grave of Jesus Christ, my friend. Peter got to run to the empty grave after denying Jesus, failing him in every way, and realized there is something more. The road's not over. And I don't need to muster up the strength In myself, I need to come to the cross of Jesus Christ and see that he suffers. And then I need to go to the empty grave and see that it's not the end of the road. He wasn't just leading me on the way of suffering. He was leading me into eternal life. My dear friends, the day is coming soon. The day is coming soon where you will be with him forever or that he returns. And when that day comes, you will never again be able to worship Him in your suffering. You will never again be able to hope for Him in your suffering. You will never, begin, you will never again be able to sing with those tears of sadness in your eyes. You will never be able to worship Him again with your mortal body that is wasting away. You will never again be able to choose to praise Him while you mourn. You will never be able to choose again to praise Him in the depths of your pain. Between this day and that day, we must do as he does and live. We must live. We must live for the glory of God. Live for him. Live for him. Live longing for him. Live loving him. Live pursuing him. Live believing in him. Live looking to him. My friends, on this Easter Sunday, I encourage you and call to you, live for that day. Live this day for that day because it won't be long now. That moment is coming sooner than you have any idea. The temporary taste of death that you have in your mouth right now, it is testifying to you. Your temporary loss that you're experiencing, it is testifying to you. Your pain is testifying to you. Your suffering is testifying to you. Not that God doesn't exist, but that you were made for something more. You were made for more than this. It's testifying that there has to be more than this. It's shouting to you, there must be something better to this. And it is the empty grave where Jesus says, yes, there is. Yes, Yes, there is. There is something more to this. And that something is Jesus Christ the man Jesus Christ the invitation to you today and always in this life is come 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 on the way of suffering come with him don't journey alone don't walk by yourself don't go in your own strength walk with him on the way of suffering. The invitation to you is to come to the cross of Jesus Christ. Be crucified with Him that you might no longer live and come to the empty grave that you might be born again. Raised not just to a new life, but His new life. Come. Come to the empty grave this morning, my friends, come. Come and remember him. Come, stoop down. See the empty clothes of suffering left behind. And look, look to the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to stand as we end our time together. We always end our time with a time to respond to the voice of God. We're going to sing one more worship song and I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up and be available across the front. If you need prayer for anything in your life today, I really encourage you to come and have somebody pray with you. You are at church, God is here. And this is a brother or a sister in the Lord who would love to stand with you and look to the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. You may be convicted of something this morning in the presence of God. You may need healing. You may need to confess something. You may need to commit. I don't know what it is, but I do know that every single one of us has something to respond to, to the Word of God this morning. You may do it in your seat. You may come and have somebody pray for you. You may need to sit, you may need to stand, you may need to come up to the front, but whatever it takes for you to come to the empty grave and see the empty clothes and look forward to the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, do it. Leave everything else behind and come to Jesus this morning. If you are here this morning and you've never confessed Jesus as the Lord of your life, now's the time. Now's the time. Today's the day of resurrection, which means today is the day of salvation. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever you got going on, the empty grave is better. The empty grave is bigger, and Jesus is inviting you to come to him and experience and be given by grace this resurrection life. Come, come, and have somebody pray for you. Come, have someone lead you in that confession. Do not leave the house of God without being made new this morning. Jesus, we love you, and we fix our eyes towards you And we do, as the angels said on that Easter morning, we remember your words to us. We look to you, Lord Jesus. We present our life of suffering, of struggle, of pain. We present all of these things to you. And we do ask you to stop what might be stopped. But in all things, Lord, we find our meaning in you. And we thank you. We turn to you. We make you our confession this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship and respond to the Lord this morning.